Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Time and it's feeling right. You're looking for a love that lasts. You'll find, find it at Romance in the Podcast. Ooh, ooh, baby, had me a hello. Ooh, I love you. I know. Ooh, ooh, baby, you're the wind beneath my wings. Ooh, ah, I'll have what she's having. Thank you for tuning into Romancing the Pod. You had us at hello. I'm Paige Wesley. I'm Mikey Randolph. And I'm Todd Schlosser. And this week, Paige made us watch, but, but I'm, I'm a, cheerleader. a cheerleader. So, Paige, why did you make us watch, but I'm a cheerleader? Uh, it had been requested a ton in the group. Yeah. Uh, but also because up until like a year or two ago, I mistakenly thought I had seen this film. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I had like caught it on TV. And whenever I was talking to friends and it would come up, I'd be like, oh, yeah, the cheerleader movie. Uh, but what I had actually seen was the movie Sugar and Spice, in which a group of cheerleaders, one of them gets pregnant. They rob a bank. And they right? rob banks. Oh, that yeah. movie's terrible. <laughs> I've seen that. I'm one of like four people who have seen that movie. I, yeah, I, so I caught that on TV and <laughs> thought that was this movie for like ever until recently someone was like, yeah, Natasha Leone. I was like, wait, what? Like, maybe I have not seen this movie. So it had been on my list for a while. It kept coming up in the group. And so I wanted to save it for us to do it on the show so I would get like a fresh viewing of it. Okay. Uh, so this was my first time. I can't believe it was your first time. I'm surprised by that. So that what did you think? Time for your first time watching it loved it yeah uh, this is this is great it reminds me of john waters movies yes that's what i was gonna say but it also if you watch a ton of rupaul's drag race they do this thing every season where they like film a short yep and that's what this is yep. like this is the best version of that where the writing is better the acting is so much better the acting yeah, yeah, yeah. Is so much better i love that challenge by the way it's one of my favorite of the yes. year that and snatch game <laughs> snatch game is my favorite that's because you would crush at snatch game page oh i would fucking kill at snatch game um <laughs> but that challenge on rupaul's drag race it's always written a little too tongue-in-cheek and it's oh, yeah. not quite acted great this movie seems like the absolute best version where it's just the perfect amount of tongue in cheek and everyone in it is crushing it. But it has that same like Candyland house, John Waters aesthetic yeah. where thinly veiled innuendo. I loved it. Well, and also thickly veiled innuendo. Like it's both. <laughs> it's not just thinly veiled innuendo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I sort of enjoyed the movie too. Like it's fun and super campy, which I'm into. Love it. But I could understand why if you're not into camp and like John Waters films, you'd be like, I don't like it. If you, A, don't know people that went to conversion camp, 
uh, and B, don't have a ton of friends in the LGBTQIA community, some of these things might go over your head and it might not connect with you. But as someone who does know a ton of people who went to conversion camp and has a lot of LGBTQIA friends... I love this movie. <laughs> yeah, I think that um, when this movie came out, I probably would not have like found anything in it that I would have super enjoyed yeah. just because I hadn't had a lot of life experience yet. I was pretty young. Like I was probably high school aged when this came out. And I just, you know, I had gay friends, but like I didn't think about their life because I was like 16. I wasn't like, yeah, what 16 year old thinks about anybody else? I get it. No, that's what I'm saying. I 100% agree with you. Yeah. yeah. So like as I've gotten older, I've like had a lot more life experience and I'm like, oh, well, yeah. I bet it's a lot like this, having never been gay myself or been to a conversion camp. I mean, I will say that the the one in this film is hilariously bad. Yeah. It gets so, so much worse. Oh, I feel like this is a satirical, like, silly view on a conversion camp. I bet they're horrific. They're borderline concentration camps. It yeah. is horrific, yeah. and they should not be allowed to continue, and countries should ban them. This is the second time I, I saw it when, like, 10, 15 years ago. I mean, like a long time ago. And I like the John Waters aesthetic. And I like I like it was like a like a cleaner version of John Waters movie. Yes. Yes. It it is very hairspray. Yeah, I, I I like hairspray. I got hairspray vibes from it too. Yeah. Yeah. I guess from a mental health lens, that you know, how I've grown was just like the whole time I was just like, oh, this is like conversion camps and conversion therapy is like so, so terrible and evil. Yeah. And then like the ending of the movie, I was just like, this makes me sad like these poor kids. Yeah, <laughs> this is like, the first time I've cried during a cheerleader cheer session. Oh, I fully cried. Yeah. yeah I-, I mean, I'm glad they like ran off, but then I was like, oh, their families just cut them off. They have no place to go. And like, I was just like, this is all terrible. And I feel so sad. There, there is that cut scene after with her parents at the support. Oh group. yeah, that's true. That's true. Okay. So can I ask about that? Cause I read it one way and then Natalie read it a very different way. I read it very hopeful. Like they were going to a support group for parents of other LGBTQ people. And they were like, Hey, my son is gay and I'm, I have not been okay with that. How do I get okay with that? Cause I want to have a relationship with my kid. Right. And Natalie read that scene as very much like, Hey, my kid is gay and I had to cut them out of my life. Please support me in that decision. It could go either way. Yeah. So like I read it very happy, you know, that he was trying to support his daughter and find a way to do that, even though, you know, he has very bigoted views. But Natalie read it the complete opposite. I think reading it hopeful is reading it through 2021 lenses. Yeah. Okay. That's probably fair. At the time it came out, like back in the day, I feel like it was much more common to hear of people just being flat out disowned like that. And it still absolutely happens. Yes, Don't it does. get me wrong. Yeah. Like, but when I, when I was in high school, which is right around when this movie came out, I started high school two years after this movie came out. Okay. That was a thing. Like pe- people wouldn't come out because they were afraid their families would disown them. No, that I was know still it was very much a thing. Yeah. And I think now, and I'm also living in California where, <laughs> where like it's, probably not as hard here as it is other places like in tennessee yeah yeah Uh, (laughs) Yeah. but i feel i feel like the narrative is now much more that you would work through it with your your family and wouldn't just be put on the street but i'm sure that still happens places and stuff so i i read it because of the way the mom 
is kind of presenting in that scene. Now, it could be earlier in the movie, it seems like the the dad is a little more hesitant to send her to the camp to begin with. Yeah, honestly, Simon Pegg's dad, who plays the dad in this movie, <laughs> I feel like really struggles with the fact that his daughter's gay, but also really loves his daughter, whereas the mom, I feel like, doesn't so much love her daughter. Yeah, yeah. And, and so it could very well be hopeful. It could very well be him choosing that they're going to accept but there were also absolutely groups like that for people who had lost their children by disowning them. So Yeah, and those are the two sides of it, right? I thought it was very yeah. hopeful. Uh, Natalie was like, no, that's a support group for terrible parents who have disowned their kids. And I was like, oh shit, I guess it could have been that too. That's dark. It could have. Yeah. The one thing that I think works in your favor for hopeful is that it says parents and friends. Yeah. So. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Allies. Mm -hmm. So maybe it's hopeful, fingers crossed. Yeah, who knows? I mean, it very well could be ambiguous so you could read it either way on purpose i don't know it's hard because i've done a lot of work with like suicidal youth and like a lot of the homeless youth population are teenagers who have come out to their families and got kicked out of their houses right and they're a very at-risk population and they you know they have a special shelter here which is good but you know it's just heartbreaking yeah. And so the whole time I was like, now they're homeless. And like, I didn't, I was like, th the ending that I viewed 15 years ago was like, oh, they like, they got together and they're going to like make it work or whatever. And then like, now I'm like, they have no resources. Like, it's really hard to make it out there. So in my mind, at the end of this movie, they go to Lloyd and Larry's house and they have like a support system until they figure it out. Like, yeah. until they get jobs and get an apartment or, you know, whatever their solution is to long-term living. Yeah. I hope so. I hope so. Yeah. Anyway, we probably should just get into the movie, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Let's jump into it, Paige. So we open on credits intercut with very close up shots of cheerleading set to April March's Chick Habit. Fantastic credits. I was like, These are very good credits. <laughs> <laughs> Mikey fully agrees with you. I honestly feel like, and Mikey, maybe you remember this from your youth. There were like movies that would come on TV that were specifically targeting like a younger male audience that would show stuff like this, but it like was still on network TV so you could watch it. I don't know what you're talking about, pervert. Sorry. <laughs> the song is famously used in a handful of Grindhouse movies and specifically was then used in death proof so like it was meant to be kind of a smutty song well it's a smutty shot i the second i saw the credits i was like oh i'm here for it yeah. <laughs> this is gonna be great i know what we have in store for us yep so we cut to they're cheering for their school and the head of the cheerleading squad is basically like, hey, tomorrow after classes, make sure everyone gets their uniform to their dry cleaners because we have to meet the next day at 730. But we have four dozen donuts. I love the donut callback later when she's like on her way to camp and the bus <laughs> is passing her. And it's just like all these attractive cheerleaders like hanging out the window <laughs> with like slowly eating donuts. I was like, that looks like a fun bus ride. I'm going to be honest with you. It does. The movie establishes, but doesn't talk about it a lot, that her favorite food is donuts. Oh. <laughs> because it comes up a couple times, which I don't know if that is... It's definitely. Yeah, I was gonna, I was like, this is some foodly veiled innuendo. Foodly <laughs> veiled. <laughs> so uh, we cut to she's walking to her boyfriend's car with him, and they basically talk about they're both leaving for playoffs. Yeah. But they're leaving a few hours apart, and then we cut to them making out in the car, and like she just has her mouth open while he basically just licks the inside of her mouth. It's so disgusting. He's pressure washing the inside of her <laughs> mouth with his tongue. It is it's honestly, so I wish my dishwasher would wash dishes as well as he was kissing her. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
And it, it cuts to her basically thinking about the other girls that she was cheer, cheering with, like boobs, butts, whole nine. Yeah. And she's just not into it. And she's like, I have to get home for dinner. And he's like, please. And she's like, fine. And literally just opens her mouth again. It reminded me of Stacy Jacks from Rock of Ages. Yes. Where you like yes. stick your tongue out and then they like tongue each other. Like it was so gross. Oh man. Uh, we cut to her house for dinner where they're eating like meat and potatoes, but then she's got carrots because she's a vegetarian, which I think without even telling us, they told us in yeah. this scene. Oh, yeah, where she's like different. Steak, steak, and then carrots. And then her parents seem to like not be okay with it. And then they say grace, and that prayer is the thinliest so veil. So funny. Yeah. So funny of just like, uh, please help us to follow our intended path in the roles that we were supposed to be. <laughs> and you're just like, wow, this is pointed. And a note, because uh, this is the first place we meet her mom. Her mom is played by Mink Stoll. Yeah, I saw that in the credits. Yeah, one of of Waters' like stable of players. So not only does this have a John Waters vibe, it's got John Waters people in it. Like it's that checks out. <laughs> so we cut to her bedroom, which is like a very old timey girly girl bedroom, but then it's got a giant poster of Melissa Etheridge on it. Yeah. And that she clearly got at the Lilith Fair. Yeah, I, I don't know how she got it into her house, given the rest of the house. Um, I don't know. She has a vagina on her pillow. That was so funny. Okay. Did you see it before they pointed out in the movie? No, yes. I, I didn't. Did. I didn't. I even said it to Natalie. I was like, is that a vagina on her pillow? And Natalie was like, yeah, I think it is. They shoot it so her mouth is I know. by it. I know, Paige. Um, <laughs> it's beautiful. When, <laughs> when I was living in the sorority house, we had a couch that had a very unfortunate Paisley print. Oh. And we used to call it the vagina couch. <laughs> and then Mikey has a couch like that, too, but for different reasons. <laughs> for different reasons. I have when a good luck couch out there. It's fine. <laughs> when they when they sold the house they offered to let people buy the furniture in it because they were like clearing it out to remodel sure, 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 yeah and there was like an all-out fight for who could get the vagina couch because it was such a running joke anyway so yes i did notice her vagina pillow i also think it's funny that every girl in this movie has 1960s nightgowns. Oh, yes. I honestly thought for a little while it took place in the 1960s because present of all that. Present day. Yeah. Well, present day at the time. So like 99, 2000, right around there? Yeah, like 99, 2000. Okay. Yeah. It, it's purely just an aesthetic choice. Yeah. And at one point they wear these sweaters with pearl buttons I have that sweater. Is there something you need to tell us, Paige? Yeah. No, although I would not have passed this camp. Like, I'm as straight <laughs> as they come, and I'm watching it, and I'm like, oh, I would have failed out of this shit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we cut to the next morning where she gets up, she's leaving for school, and her dad says, see you later, I mean tonight. So he kind of, like, slips, and they tell her not to forget her library books. She goes to school... And as she leaves, her parents are talking to each other and they're like, are we ready? They'll be here at three. I hope we're doing the right thing. Yeah. And then we cut to school where she walks up to girls on her team and tries to hug them and is like, 730 donuts, Shaker Hills, here we come. And they just like. Yeah, they like squirm away. Yeah, like she has the plague. They're just like, yeah. ah. Then she walks up to her locker where her boyfriend is and the captain of the cheer squad. And she's like, kill the Rangers. 
and he leans in for a crazy another just giant open mouth kiss like he's the guy in fourth kind just like (laughs) (laughs) when they do that cutaway to him just like shaking his tongue back and forth when she's like thinking about him at camp i was like this is the girl i i feel bad for this guy he got a job he was happy he's like mom guess who i'm gonna be in this movie (laughs) the bad kisser yeah i'm gonna be a guy who does not know how to kiss oh man so as he leaves she kind of opens her locker and she's talking to the captain of the cheer squad. And she's like, don't you hate it when they do that? And she's like, well, maybe he just doesn't do it right. And as she says it, she kind of gets her pom-poms out of her locker and closes it. But the other girl opens her locker and finds just a bikini photo. And it looks like it's just like out of an Abercrombie and Fitch catalog yeah. or something just up in her locker. Megan says, don't you hate it when they do that in reference to her boyfriend kissing her? But the cheering captain is like, I like it. And that's when... Megan says, well, maybe he's just doing it wrong. But he was doing it wrong. I mean, yeah, (laughs) in her defense. It could be both. Yeah, it definitely is both in this case. Yeah. Yeah. It just makes it very clear that, like, Megan is the only one who doesn't know she's gay. Which I think a lot. I mean, there are people like that. There are people that are, you know. Well, I mean, she clearly is super sheltered. Well, and, and I think there's a perfectly good explanation for it later in the movie when she's like, I thought everyone thought like that. Yeah. Because she'd never ventured to say it out loud. She thought everyone was thinking the same way she was, not realizing that some people might, but not everyone. And I think in some cases that's a symptom of just repression in general, where when people aren't talking about sex and sexual things, just even in a clinical sense, Mm They don't realize that it's different (laughs) for people sometimes, you know, and I think it's one of those things where for me, even having been raised really conservative, that's what made it make sense for me when I was like, oh, if you think about other people the way I think about, you know, Henry Cavill or insert hottie here, that's not something I control. (laughs) Yeah. And so clearly (laughs) we are just different. No, Paige. We know it controls you. (laughs) exactly mikey it controls us all that's true yeah so we cut to she's in her boyfriend's car and they're driving super slow i love this i mean it's clear that like he's not supposed to be there till a certain time and he's like really trying to go slow yeah i think he well he he also she's like why are we going so slow and he just says zoning i guess (laughs) yeah he gets a zoned out or whatever yeah what i didn't know if it was that or if he was just like if he didn't want her to go and so he was trying to delay it i don't know i don't think so i think he wasn't supposed to be there until uh rupaul shows up and like they prepare the space because during the intervention that we're about to see he is like you don't even like kissing me like he knows she needs to be there right i don't think he's the hero he has a very unique kissing style but he's not a good person (laughs) i think you're right on point there there todd yeah and as someone who has been told i kiss weirdly by his girlfriend (laughs) i uh i empathize with this guy i I do think and i know that's not the movie but there's a part of me that's like okay but no one has examined whether or not this guy is just that bad of a kisser i know right (laughs) i think this is all kind of part of this next scene especially because they get to her house and they have essentially an intervention led by RuPaul playing a an air quote straight man with a oh, shirt man. that says straight is great. I love this so much because I love RuPaul like a lot. Love the show a lot. RuPaul's Drag Race. So to yeah. see him like this instead of her in a dress, you know what I'm saying? Yes. And did you, okay, did you ever 
watch Mad TV growing up. Yeah. Yeah. So Keegan-Michael Key used to play a character who was... He was always like the school coach who would be like, coach, we need you to direct the school play yes. or something. Oh, oh yeah. my God, yes. That's what RuPaul looks like in yes. this movie. Same shorts, same yeah. fit, everything. I half expected him to just high kick and be like, inconceivable. Just like the same. <laughs> and RuPaul's tall, man. That'd be a real high kick. <laughs> Knocking heads off at that point. <laughs> this is where, so they get inside and her mom's like, I made your favorite. And she hands her, it's literally a bowl of just chocolate donuts. Which honestly, I get. Feel it. Yeah. Um, I mean, Paige, it's not a donut intervention. You're allowed to hand out sweets at an intervention like this. I just think it's really funny that the only food we ever address her eating is donuts. I mean, yeah, that is funny. But also sort of a fantasy of mine, so I'm into it. I, dude, that sounds amazing. Donuts are your fantasy? No, I'm more of a brownie guy technically, but like I'll get down on a donut. I love donuts, especially good donuts, like real good donuts. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so they start to list out the reasons why they think that she is a lesbian and this is where RuPaul's character, I don't i don't remember what the character's name is. I just kept writing RuPaul in my notes. I mean, that's, that's who it is. It's fine. This, it's RuPaul. Uh, this is where RuPaul is like, I myself was once a gay. Now I'm an ex-gay. And I work with people who help people realize what's behind their tendencies and heal them. And the things that they list out why they think she's gay is she's been trying to make them eat tofu. So she's a vegetarian, which I thought was a hilarious first like reason for them thinking she was gay. B, she doesn't have any photos of guys. She has a Melissa Etheridge poster. Then they present the vagina pillow. <laughs> Which I thought was funny because like how many, and Paige, maybe it's a girl thing, but how many teenagers picked out their bedroom suit, like bedroom suite of like sheets and pillow covers and stuff like that? I did, but I, I mean, not everybody, <laughs> but it was also something my- That's fair. It was something my mom had to buy me though. Right. Yeah. So like if you were like, hey, mom, I want a huge dick on my pillow every night. <laughs> your mom probably been like, oh, honey, no. <laughs> oh, oh, no. Uh, that, that's not how this works. Um, uh, why don't you get a job in retail and buy yourself your own dick pillow? And thus I did. Um, <laughs> Guys, uh, if you want to help design dick pillow, send Mikey your dick pillow DMs. No. And uh, he will decide which his favorite design is, and then we'll get nope. that printed up for you. Actually, if we're going to do this, I would like a tiny pillow for my dick. <laughs> so, like, you're sleeping, and then you have, like, a small pillow for your dick. So, like, when you <laughs> lay on your left side, it's just, like, hanging over there. Honestly, treat your dick <laughs> with a dick pillow. With a dick pillow. I want a boob pillow so that when my boobs creep out of my shirt at night, they have somewhere to rest. Paige, I don't know if Jake or your cat have informed you of this. Your boobs are pillows. Well, yeah, but like... But you need a pillow for your pillows. Yeah. <laughs> the ad writes itself, Paige. Get a pillow for your pillows. Pillow for your pillows. They can't support everybody all of the time. They need their own rest. <laughs> Paige, I'm a progressive man. I believe that your boobs can be whatever they want to be and anything a man can be. Thank you. My boobs are now testicles. <laughs> anything Mike can do, Paige's boobs can do better. Get out of tickets and free sandwiches, too. So <laughs> they also cite the fact that she doesn't want to kiss God, her boyfriend. That was great. As the reason, although I feel like that should be excluded from evidence because of his weird style. Yeah, because what he's doing isn't kissing. It's like a war crime on your face. It's slowly <laughs> eating her. Yes. He's licking the inside of her as if she's some sort of ring pop situation. He's like those bottom feeder fish. 
Yes! The ones they use for pedicures? Uh Yes! Or like the ones that like suck on the side of the tank? Yeah. (laughs) Thank you for that sound effect, Mikey. That's what we all needed in our life. But I think this is something really fun that I really appreciate this movie does is demonstrates how all of the people in her life and, and by extension the other people's lives in the movie think of homosexuality as a monolith. As in you have these specific traits and that's what makes you gay. Not the fact that you're gay and also a person and therefore different in your own way, which is why I kind of really like, and we haven't gotten to it yet, but Jan, who we meet later, oh, yeah. who exemplifies all these traits and is just like, I'm straight as hell. I don't, I've been trying to tell you guys. <laughs> I thought that scene was so funny, but so sad. It's really sad, but I think the way it's played is funny because in the context of the movie, it's hilarious, but like it is yeah. very dark, Mikey. But also that's, I I kept finding myself thinking, looking, you know, watching this conversion camp. And I was like, I'd be in the same boat as Jan because I'd be failing a lot of this stuff, (laughs) but also super into dudes. So I feel like it's just more presenting of that ignorance of them not understanding or even trying to understand her. Yeah. We cut to, she's in the car with her parents the next day. And she passes the bus going to playoffs with all the cheerleaders hanging out of it, slowly eating donuts. Yeah, that's that scene I was talking about before. It's so funny. I loved it so much. And her mom hands her like a really limp, gross sandwich and she doesn't eat it. (laughs) I know you can't have donuts with your booby friends, but. Yeah, no, because what she wanted to eat was on the bus. Yeah. The donuts. The donuts, donuts, Mikey. Also, maybe pussy. I mean, it could be, but you know. It's her choice. Yeah. Uh, So we cut to, they pass a pink Victorian house, seemingly in the middle of nowhere, and they pull in. And I thought the place I got married was loud and hot pink. This puts it to shame. I love this house. I thought it was hilarious. Uh, This house is madness. Yeah. This house looks like a Destiny's Child video from the year 2000 where every room is a different color. And I am here (laughs) for it. I don't think they're different colors. They are specific colors on purpose. That's true. They're very pink and blue. But then... Mary, her room is green with hot pink. It's yeah. like a very bright Kelly green. And then things like the kitchen and their group room are like yellow. It's very like Edward Scissorhands pastels. Yeah. Yes. Done. Yeah. So we meet Mary who runs the school. I'm obsessed with her pink suit, even though she's evil. Uh, kind of like Dolores Umbridge, but still. Good villain. I, I mean, good villains are still necessary to make an interesting movie. She's a great villain. <laughs> you you hate her, but also laugh at her a lot. Yeah. So she introduces her son, Rock, played by Eddie Sebrian, pre-Leanne Rimes. And she basically meets him at the at the front steps and is like oh we looks like we got you just in time you haven't gone to college yet with all the liberal arts brainwashing once they go to college they're hard to convert or yeah. whatever she says yeah because they've already been to an indigo girls concert uh- <laughs> that's when they get their first annie defranco tape <laughs> after my brother uh, after my parents divorced my mom went to work at a doctor's office and the doctor she worked for his sister was in the indigo girls really, really? yeah awesome is that why your brother's gay or Yep, it's <laughs> contagious. That's his root. That is his Todd? root. That makes sense. Okay, yeah, his he she actually just did not sanitize her hands when she came home, and it transferred all the way on. <laughs> That's what happens. He caught it like a disease. Mm-hmm. 
could have happened to anybody. <laughs> well, that and that's another thing that that repeatedly happens in this movie that that was, I think, a common belief at the time in these types of organizations that just like something caused it for you. Oh, that's clearly what it is in this. That's why I was making fun of it. Like, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. so ridiculous that you would catch it from your indigo sister sneezing on you or whatever. Yeah. Well, I think the DSM three had it had homosexuality classified as a mental health disorder. It did. It did indeed. Yeah. And then like psychotherapy would do stuff like let's find your root. And then there is a lot of myths like, all gay and lesbians have been sexually molested and stuff. It's like, it's like that's super offensive and and terrible. Yeah, and and not true. You and know, not, like well, admit, I said myth. Uh, but it's it's perpetuating that idea that something has to cause it, as opposed to just people are different. Yeah, different people be different, and that's just how life be. <laughs> so, uh, she walks up the steps into the house, and we get a title card that says "Step One: Admitting You're a Homosexual," <laughs> and. She is in a meeting with Mary and Mary is basically like, so the first step and you're a couple days late. Everyone else already got to this step. You have to admit that you have a problem. Like when you see a woman in a tight skirt or in the bathroom putting lipstick on or in the locker room with breasts, are you looking at them? And she just says, well, I don't think that's unnatural. And this is where Mary's like, aha, and forces her to wear hospital scrubs until she can admit that she is attracted to women. Right. She introduces her to Hillary and Hillary's going to show her around. So she gives her kind of the schedule of rise and shine at seven, breakfast at eight, group therapy till lunch, then free time to do whatever. Then we do reorientating exercises and family therapy on the weekends. And then she shows her the bedroom. This is where we sleep. And it is every single thing is the same shade of pink. Yeah. <laughs> it is just pink, pink forever. A little intense. And they say no inappropriate behavior around. And she says, like swearing. And they're like, no, like fucking. Like, what are you? And this is where she first meets Graham. Right. Well, and that, that's how, in fact how she meets Graham is it's Graham that says, no, fucking. We're not allowed to fuck. Yeah. And. Hillary reveals that she saw Graham's file and that she's a spoiled brat and that's why she's here. <laughs> Basically implying that her spoiled tendencies are why she is gay, which right. is bonkers. I didn't realize that trust funds made you a lesbian. Right. We cut to group therapy. Jan is the first one that we meet. Uh, then Sinead, then Joel, then Graham, then Andre, then Dolph, then Clayton. And they all have their own reasons for being a homosexual. So like Joe, Joel is like, I'm a Jew and I'm a homosexual. <laughs> Graham is like, I like girls a lot and I'm a homosexual. Dolph says, <laughs> I'm a homosexual varsity wrestler. And then Clayton says, I work in retail and I'm a homosexual. <laughs> this is one of my favorites. Um, Two things in this scene. Dolph is Rufio from Hook. Yes! And everyone in this scene, all of the kids and pretty much everyone in this movie are people that are still working to this day. Like absolutely. They may not be huge stars, but they're still like working actors yeah. to this day. It literally is like a, Oh, Hey, it's that guy. Oh my God. It's, it's also that, that guy. guy. Yeah. Oh, it's Rufio. Yeah. Like it's one of those. It's like party down. It yes. is like party down. Yeah, absolutely, man. Party down blew me away with how many people are like straight up stars now in that show. Likewise, in this, for some of them, it's their first movie. Like, this is Kit Perdue's first movie ever. Really? Yeah. And Clea Duvall, who plays Graham, had worked pretty consistently during this time because she's in She's All That and a couple other things. 
and she and Natasha Leone were friends, and that's how Natasha Leone got the role. So, like, oh wow, okay. a lot of these people are working together in other movies and teen movies at the time, and then they all kind of word of mouth get into this movie. Yeah. So anyway, okay. wow, I didn't realize this was, this was Kip's first movie. That's yeah, that's wild. I mean, I know he was in Seventh Heaven for a sec. He was in Seventh Heaven for a sec, and then he's in Remember the Titans. Like that was the first thing I saw him in was Remember yeah. the Titans. Like not too long after this, actually. Oh, okay. Yeah, there were a yeah. lot of like teen movies right around this time, and it's wild that all the people from that those teen movies are in this movie. <laughs> yeah. So they start to kind of interrogate Megan on why she might be yeah. homosexual, and again, it's the same reasons of like you're a vegetarian, and I have woman pictures of women around. Which I think it's hilarious that vegetarian keeps coming up. As, <laughs> Absolutely. As that. I feel like that's something Mikey did not see a problem with. He was like, "Yeah, there." I mean, that makes sense. No, no. <laughs> I think I think uh, this goes too light on vegetarians. <laughs> Honestly, in Mikey's mind, this whole conversion camp should have been just for vegetarians. For vegetarians, <laughs> yeah, yeah. This would be vegetarian conversion camp. That's really the subsect of society that we really need to change. Wow, you are going hard at veggies. Hard stance. Mikey yeah. just does not like cold farts. It came <laughs> up on uh, the Great Encounters 2 episode on Horror Virgin, and we has been talking about it ever since. That's right. Turning the goddamn farts cold. <laughs> That's yeah. honestly a really solid Alex Jones impression. I don't trust anybody who doesn't like cheese. And that's just how that's how the world is gonna be for me. I will say the better your cheese is, like if you're buying good cheese from ethically sourced places, A, it's going to be better cheese. So like good on you. I think what uh -huh. you mean is it's going to brie better cheese. <laughs> yes, I do. Nailed it. Nailed it, but also supports more ethical farming practices. And it tastes Gouda. It does taste Gouda. <laughs> Some might say it tastes feta. Nailed, <laughs> Nailed it. it. <laughs> or get super weird like me and start making your own cheese. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> anyway, lock all vegans up. Good night, everybody. <laughs> Thank you for coming to Mikey's TED Talk. I can't wait till the Facebook group loses their minds about this. I know. I I like I like just picking on people because it's like and like obviously it was a joke. And like the only posts I get are like, I don't think you really understand what veganism is. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't want to understand. <laughs> I do understand. I understand. I don't want to know. <laughs> We're gonna have to cut most of this, I suspect, so that the vegans don't rise up against oh, no, us. Oh, come on! We can't. We're not gonna count those not weak like, bone bastards. They're not, they're not even. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they're not even a federally federally protected class. <laughs> they don't even got calcium. <laughs> she also talks about how she's had a boyfriend. They've been going steady. And they're like, "Yeah, but have you ever had sex with him?" And she's like, "No, I'm, I'm a you know, Christian." I'm, and they're like, well, it's easy to not have sex with people if you're not attracted to them. As and she's someone like, who was a virgin very, very late in life, I found that it was very easy for people not to have sex with me. So, yeah, that holds up. <laughs> <Same>. <laughs> uh, I couldn't give it away, Paige. Uh, Mikey, what did you use uh, lose your virginity? He was older, too. We were I all was older. older. I'm just giving you all shit. <laughs> <laughs> That's, That's why thought. we've all ended up as podcasters. So, <laughs> whenever people are like, how did you, you seem so normal. How'd you become a comedian? I'm pretty sure that's it. Yeah. Yeah. 
It's like I talk. I, I use therapy to talk about my trauma, and then I use this to joke about my trauma, so I can get like both sides out. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it, yeah, I think yeah, it's very yeah. healthy. Yeah, get get both sides out. That's what's gonna make people want to do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, here's my left side and my right side. Dro- droop one ball out of each side of your boxers. Um, Old man style. <laughs> it's gonna look like a camel carrying two water bags through the desert. Oh God. So. <laughs> Go on. My my dick's the camel. That's the joke. <laughs> I like that he said go on as if I was going to continue talking. And then you're like, just to clarify, <laughs> yeah. the dick is the camel part. All right, please continue. Mikey, you ever sit on your humps? <laughs> nope. <laughs> so as they're kind of talking about this, they're like, yeah, it's really easy for you to not have sex with somebody if you're not attracted to them. They basically tell her, like, people don't look at girls the way you do unless they're attracted to them. And she has this kind of revelation of like, I thought everybody had those thoughts. I just want to be normal, which is a real sad commentary in this movie that a lot of these kids just want to be normal. They just want to be able to live their life and be accepted. And they feel like they have to change themselves to do it. I feel like one of the boys even says like, I would love to be straight, you know, It's just so hard to, especially in this time, I'm sure it was much worse in this time than it is now, although it's not great now. Mm -hmm. But she kind of flashes through all of her friends back home and there's the two girls from the cheerleading team where they're like, you hug us way too much. And then her boyfriend, you don't like to kiss me. Oh, and that's when he's waggling his tongue back and forth. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Then the cheer captain, you put your hand up my skirt. (laughs) Even though she's probably like catching her. Anyway, uh, so then she just says, I am a homosexual. Are you talking about Michelle Williams? Yes, it is Michelle Williams. Yeah. (laughs) And they basically tell her, congratulations, you've taken your first step. It's going to be okay. And they finally give her real clothes. But she ends up just like sitting there drooling. (laughs) Yeah. Where she's like, they were right. I am a homo, which is kind of sad. It's very sad. I mean, it's it's sad for her that this has been such an emotionally traumatizing experience. It's not sad that she's homosexual. Right. Anyway, so we cut to them eating dinner. Graham is kind of eating off by herself, eating sushi. I thought it was the food that they eat in this movie is kind of crazy. If you look at it, she goes to sit with the other kids and they all have lunch trays and it looks like it's a sandwich, but it's laid out like a deck of cards. Yeah. Where it's like bread, ham, cheese, bread. (laughs) (laughs) But they're all sitting and talking and they're like, I can't wait to be straight. And Graham is just like, this is ridiculous. Like, this doesn't work. This is stupid. And the other kids are like, I think we should be supporting each other. We all can't wait to be straight. Which is also sad. It is very sad. But it's honestly the way it's positioned in the movie makes it sort of funny because it's also campy and silly. Like. That's one of the reasons I like this movie is because they're like tackling like a really dark, like sad issue, but like presenting it in a way that's like very satirical, pointing out that it's terrible, but like in a comedic way, which I feel like makes it easier to digest to people who normally would not relate to it. Yeah. Yeah. We cut to outside where Mary is watering fake flowers. Yeah. Like watering them and then drying them off, like pulling them out, like because they're plastic, (laughs) drying them off and then trying to stick them back in, which is like so bizarre. The second most bonkers thing in this, because she's talking to her son, which I'm sure you're going to get to Paige. Yes. And that's even more bonkers. Well, he comes out with what looks like uh, like it's not a pina colada, but basically like a fruity, boozy cocktail drink. Yeah, it very much is probably what I would drink if I drank alcohol. Yeah, he's having fun. There is 
nothing wrong. No, I don't. That's what I'm saying. Like as as someone who like. I'm probably younger than the people in this movie, but this movie came out while I was in high school, you know? So, like, yeah. I grew up in this time where you, you would be called, you know, a pejorative term for gay all the time by other guys. And I liked musicals and was very open about that. And, like, I did not really care about playing sports outside of soccer. And, like, like I just didn't care, really. I was in chorus and band. So, like... Well, sh shit time we came up, soccer wasn't mainly enough. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, like, it wasn't football, it wasn't baseball. So, like, yeah, I was like, no, I like to run. What are you guys talking about? Anyway, whatever. Uh, my gin and tonic last night had flowers in it, and it was really pretty. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, Mikey. I would get a virgin daiquiri and sip it slowly next to you on your date if you wanted, Mikey. I I'd drink what? everything out of curly straws if you let me. Oh, my God, yes. She's telling him that there's another leak in the ceiling. Yeah. And then slaps the silly straw basically out of his hands, like, no more sipping. Chug it like a man. Which is, so, the things that they ascribe as gay or straight or masculine or, or feminine in this movie are bonkers. Yes. And this is yes. one of them. We cut to the girl's bedroom, and it sounds like somebody has a vibrator, is what I initially thought was happening in this scene. I thought so, too. Yeah, and you can see, like, a red glowy thing under her sheets. Yeah. Uh, so, we cut to, Megan gets up and, like, taps on, it's Sinead's bed, yeah. Taps on Sinead's bed. And we find out that she's doing aversion therapy. And every time you think of girls in a sexual way, you're supposed to shock yourself. And it seems like she has just learned to enjoy the sensation of being shocked. I don't know if you remember, Paige, because you, you didn't say it earlier. But when everyone's introducing themselves as a homo in that one scene, she says, I like pain. I like pain. And I'm a homo. So she... Fully is into this. She is enjoying it and good for her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like find the balance where the pain and pleasure meet. You know what I'm saying? I do think it's funny that the shock wands they give them look like metal detector wands from the airport. Yes, they do. Yeah, except they have like a red tip. Yeah, with a red tip. Yeah. <laughs> so Mary comes in and shines a flashlight on Megan and tells her she has a phone call. And it's her parents calling her basically saying, you know, asking how she's doing. And she says, you were right. I am a homosexual, but I'll be regular soon. I'm already starting step two. Yeah. And they say, just remember that we love you. And if you need anything, let us know. Hang in there and stay strong. And she says, okay, I'll see you at family therapy. I love you. Yeah. So we get a title card that says step two, rediscovering your gender identity. And they have them like vacuuming. Yeah. It's offensive to just all men and women. It's not. It's just it's just offensive. It's great. Like vegans. Yeah, like men, <laughs> we've got men fixing like the the boys are fixing the cars uh we've got them trying on wedding dresses but groping each other in the process we've got the boys chopping wood and then adjusting their balls after yeah. and spitting what made me laugh really hard was RuPaul demonstrating those yes. things. Yeah, it's awesome. Oh. I love when he's under the car fixing it and they're like staring right at RuPaul's like junk and then yep. he like squeezes himself out from under the car and he's like, all right, who wants to go down with me? And they're all like, me. Everyone raises me. their hands. I love that. <laughs> it's so funny. Um, we cut to the girls having kind of like a makeover where they wax Jan's mustache, which by the way, ladies have hair under their nose on their upper lips sometimes. It's just a thing. Deal with it. Everybody has hair on their face. Yeah. So we cut to group therapy where they're going around talking about their root. So basically what caused them to be homosexual, 
My favorite is as we open the scene, she says, no profanity or double negatives. <laughs> uh, but we go around the room and we get to hear everyone's root. For example, Graham's root is her mother got married in pants. Yes. And Dolph says that there were too many locker room showers. Hillary's was an all board, all girl boarding school. Sinead's was just that she was born in France. Yeah, just that she's French. Hers is that she's a French woman. She's a French woman and therefore a lesbian. <laughs> and then Clayton's was uh, mom let me play in her pumps. And then Jan just says, I like balls because we we do discover that Jan plays softball. Yeah. Uh, then Joel had a traumatic bris. <laughs> And so this is, then they come back to Megan. They're like, do you see how easy it could be? Just figure out what your painful memory is. And that's why you're gay. Then we cut to an exercise where she says, one of the most wonderful things about homosexuality is friendship and has them practice with each other using flashcards. Yes. Of like, you know, this is a housewife. Who is it? It's a mother. Stop objectifying them. Wait, is this also where they pair off as quote unquote friends? Yes. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. Which that seems to be an issue multiple times in this movie at this organization is where they're like, don't think about same sex, but also pair off with each other. Yeah, which is interesting, right? Like, yeah. Well, that's a thing. There are many people I have known that have been to gay conversion camps where it's like they're quote unquote trying to convert you, but you're also bunking with a bunch of other dudes. Look, I mean, it's. There's always been the buddy system. It's hard to just revolutionize this kind of thing. (laughs) (laughs) So we pull back from this. And this is kind of her and Graham having a little bit more of a meet cute where they're kind of talking. Well, because they pair off, right? Yeah. And I think they're like, it cuts to like later that evening and they're playing with the flashcards, right? Yes. And and Graham shows her a flashcard of a naked woman. And then buzzes her with one of the shock sticks. (laughs) And then as we pull back, we realize that the campfire they're sitting around is fake. I love that shot, too, because it looks and essentially like it's a fire when it's a close up on them because the fire is not in the shot. But you see like that orange glow. And then as it slowly moves out, it's all fake. It's all fake. My favorite is there are so many times when they're outside and they're standing in front of like a mat background yeah and then they pull out and you reveal that it's a matte background of like basically what's on the other side of that matte background yeah this movie has some wild set decisions and i'm here for every single one of them yeah it's great yes so we cut to uh they're making the boys play football and as they're playing rock uh mary's son is doing yard work and the rake is in a suggestive position. Oh, and he's jerking it off. Like he is straight up making the motion. Yeah. I was scared he was going to get a splinter. (laughs) Or a friction burn. Or a friction burn. You ever get one of those, Mikey? Nope. (laughs) RuPaul catches them all staring. And he's like, if I catch you again, you'll have to watch sports all weekend. Which I think is hilarious. Just the idea that like gay people don't like sports. One of them was a varsity wrestler. Like... Yeah. <laughs> and honestly, I'm super straight, but I would hate watching sports all weekend. Yeah, I'm not a big sports watcher. Me neither. The only time we watch sports in this house is for the Super Bowl, and it's only so I have an excuse to make a bunch of appetizers. Yeah, so same. The only football game of the year I would watch is the Super Bowl, but, but mainly so I could go eat buffalo chicken dip at a friend's house, you know? Yes, yeah. buff chick dip. So good. Yeah. Right now, what I call Sunday night football is me going to my friend's house and watching RuPaul's Drag Race. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. So we cut to the girls are changing baby diapers and they've colored 
like they've added food coloring to them. So when it shoots piss, it's like bright purple. Yeah. Well, and it hits the Dolores Umbridge character in the face. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Uh, but it's it's her and Graham paired up again, and they're kind of fighting over. They don't they don't quite get along yet. Then we cut to step three, family therapy. And we cut to all of their parents are there for the weekend and they're talking about their roots. And so there's, uh, I believe it's Andre who talks about finishing swimming lessons and then having to change in front of each other. And then Graham's dad is like, everybody does that. Like, what? Yeah. And he basically is like, hey, I paid a lot of money for you to fix my kid, not to sit around and talk about feelings. So you're like, oh, he's evil. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like he is very much an evil person. Mm-hmm. He also says, like, when I get back from Switzerland, you better have this gay thing fixed. No car, no college, no trust fund. Yeah. Which is just like, you know, because he loves his daughter or whatever. Yeah. Well, and as they leave, if you had subtitles on, you could see it. But yeah, as they they leave, they say, I'm not sitting in any room with a insert gay slur here yep. so they're just brutal terrible people <laughs> um so we cut to megan talking about her route and she says that she thinks that it might be her parents because at one point her dad lost her job and her mom stepped to, stepped up to support them and she thinks that she got the wrong idea by them shifting roles which is like real sad that First of all, whoever can support should. This shouldn't be a gendered thing. People should work together to collaboratively support their families in various ways. I agree completely. I'm just saying, I'm a lady who makes more money, and so it makes sense for me to pay for more shit. (laughs) Like, yeah, it makes sense. And I've been in relationships where I made more money, and I've been in relationships where I made significantly less. And uh, it's honestly great either way. All I'm saying is gender shouldn't enter into it. It is what works for your family. You and your family should talk and be open about finances so that you can come up with the best option for supporting your family as a whole. So we cut to she's supposed to write a song about her route and they're having like outside time. And RuPaul comes out to tell them that they've got 20 minutes. so They have to come inside and He stops because he sees Rock doing yard work. And we even see RuPaul for a moment just like, ooh, okay, all right. (laughs) But he goes back inside. And as they're all sitting out there, Joel gets a paper airplane on lavender paper (laughs) that he then opens up. And it just says, another way out, explore your alternatives, live free, meet outside the gate at midnight, basically. Yeah. And it's got like a triangle and a rainbow on it. So we cut to Megan walks down to sit with Graham and she kind of talks through what she's working on for her cheer about her route. And I do think it's the part of it that we hear the five, six, seven, eight, God is good. God is straight is real funny. Yeah. Yeah. It's very funny. (laughs) So she talks to Graham about how her parents left and finds out that part of the reason Graham ended up here is because they caught her with a friend and sent them here. And so Graham also doesn't believe that she can quote unquote be cured. She thinks that she'll just have to pretend to be something different than she is forever, which is very sad. That is very sad. Yeah. We cut to the bathroom. I am obsessed with this bathroom. (laughs) It's just somebody put fake daisies over every inch of that wall it's bonkers and i love it like i don't think i could live in it but i love it 
So while she's kind of getting ready, she's staring at Graham, where it's kind of like Graham being vulnerable about what kind of brought her there has kind of been their meet cute in a little bit of a way, where now... She doesn't just see her as kind of this mean girl. Now she gets kind of a window into what's going on with her. And this is kind of where their friendship starts. Their friendship that will then snowball into their relationship. Yeah. So we cut to her in bed and she's dreaming of making out with Graham. And it's very different than her making out with her creepy boyfriend. And then she wakes up to Sinead buzzing herself next to her. (laughs) So she gets out of bed and creeps into one of the other rooms and she's masturbating. And as she's doing it, she hears a boy moan behind Mary's desk because she's in like Mary's office, approaches and sees Clayton and Dolph making out. She buzzes one of them and they basically make enough noise that RuPaul comes running. She rats him out. She rats him out. And Mary basically decides that she's got to throw somebody out So she puts Clayton in a literal doghouse and he stays there for like a week. Like I forgot he was there and then they go to take him back out. And I was like, how long has he been in there? (laughs) Um, But Dolph has his suitcase and he's leaving. And now nobody really wants to hang out with Megan because she narked on people. And it was kind of this unspoken thing of like, yeah, people are definitely hooking up here. You just don't tell on anybody. But Graham, even though nobody else really wants to sit with Megan, from the table with all the other kids, looks over at her and mimes that Sinead is drunk. So she's basically still trying to, like, make jokes with her and everything. Yeah. So we get a title card that says Step 4, Demystifying the Opposite Sex. And we get a slideshow of what is essentially, like, 1960s advertisements of quote-unquote happy housewives and couples. Yeah. And the things that they are saying during this slideshow are bonkers. So Graham and Megan are sitting next to each other. This is where Graham kind of grabs her arm. And then as that's happening, we overhear Mary narrating the slideshow just saying, Dan kisses Sue and touches her breasts. Women often find this pleasurable. (laughs) You're just like... (laughs) Is she a robot? Like, what's happening? (laughs) We cut to their kind of makeover outfit. Like, their makeover room is purple. It's interesting because, like, every activity has its own color, which is kind of funny. Yeah. But the female activities are more feminine colors and the male activities are more male colors. Yeah. I feel like all those colors were super intentional. Yes. Uh, So we we go to the lavender makeover room and she's painting Megan's toenails. The lavender makeup room sounds like something you would see in RuPaul's Drag Race. I mean, it does sound like a... A gay bar name, and I love it. <laughs> Half of this movie looks like the set of the workroom. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and the, the lavender makeup room is a much better gay bar name than the cocksucker. Yeah, or the, uh, what do they call it? Uh, I think it's called the hole in the wall in San Diego that has a shower on the dance floor. Oh, I never went to that one. You got to step up your gay bar I went game. to a few. I, I went to a few drag shows in uh, San Diego, and they were all great, but I never went to that one. So we cut to them practicing crossing their legs, doing the flashcards, pretend cleaning, doing the dishes. And as they're doing the dishes, they start talking about kind of Megan's life. And Graham is asking her, do you miss your friends from home? You know, and and Graham is like, I don't really have any friends. Do you? And Megan is like, well, I thought I did, but basically they put me here. So, yeah, I guess not. You know, so they're kind of they have this little kind of like soapy hand holding moment. 
We cut to the bathroom that night and they're all getting ready to go out because they're going to sneak out. And at first, Megan doesn't want to go, but they're like, hey, if you're not going to go, just don't rat on us. Yeah. But in the end, she gets dressed and goes out with them anyway. They run out to the street right in front of the camp and hop into a black van right outside the gates. And this is Larry and Lloyd, their quote unquote XX gays. So they had been to the conversion camp. It didn't work, clearly. And now they're trying to present these kids with an alternative option. Yeah. So they get them a bunch of fake IDs and take them to a gay bar called the Cocksucker, which like I I have never seen a gay bar with such an explicit name. No, Usually it's a little a little more veiled. Yeah, normally they're like thinly veiled or sometimes thickly veiled puns, right? Right. It's never like as on the nose as this. Yeah, I, mean, yeah, I thought yeah. it was either that or a hot chicken place. <laughs> Honestly, if we had like a quote unquote Hattie B's hot chicken, but it was called the cocksucker, I'd be like, I'm going to the cocksucker. <laughs> if you told me if you told me there was some sort of venue or sl- slash establishment called the cocksucker and told me to guess whether it was a gay club or a chicken restaurant, I would guess chicken restaurant. Yeah, I would too. Same. I would totally guess chicken restaurant. And honestly, I'd go there a lot just to be safe from the vegans. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so they all go inside the gay bar and Megan is very nervous, but a girl asks her to dance and it is Julie Delpy. Yeah, from yeah. Uh, the Before Trilogy. Uh, so they end up dancing and then Graham and Sinead end up dancing. Yeah. But it's pretty clear that Megan and Graham just kind of want to dance with each other and they're not super happy dancing with other people. So Megan gets upset and walks away out to the back alley and sits down and Graham follows her and basically confronts her of like, hey, I don't like Sinead that way, but if this is bothering you, yeah, what does that mean? Essentially like, this is jealousy, but if it's jealousy, that means you probably like me. And so they end up making out. Well, I mean, they, it like builds up to it because yeah. Graham is like, well, what do you want to do? What do you want to do? And then Megan stands up and she's like, I can't do what I want to do. And then that's that's when she kisses her. Well, and then after she because she kind of pulls away yeah. and then. Oh, but yeah, then they quickly start going at it. Well, because yeah, she's like, I'm not supposed to like you. And she goes, but. And she goes, I want to do that again. And they end up making uh, out. Yeah. yeah, sweet. Yeah. Cut to inside. There's like a dance circle going. And Sinead walks out and sees Megan and Graham, so she knows. And on the ride back, Megan and Graham are cuddling, and Sinead is pissed. Yeah. Sinead, I, I got the vibe that Sinead was super into Graham and was a little upset that yeah. Graham wasn't into her. Right. Yeah. So they sneak back in, but Mary is coming to check on them. They all climb back out under their covers, and Mary shines the flashlight doesn't see anybody out of where they're supposed to be, so she leaves. Graham comes over and gives Megan a goodnight kiss, and then as they drift off to sleep, we hear Sinead buzzing. Yep. So we cut to the next day. Megan is staring into the mirror, and I think just kind of reconciling with who she is, because it's just a cutaway. We don't get any dialogue or anything with it, and we cut to the next scene. Yeah. But I think it's just her being like, oh, this is who I am. So we cut to the next group therapy and they're kind of antagonizing, I think it's Andre again, about his root not being as good as anyone else's. And this is where Jan comes out and is like, I've never been gay. And they're like, but you were molested, which is that same narrative, like that myth. And she basically is like, I wear baggy pants and I'm not pretty, but that doesn't make me gay. I like guys, I can't help it. I just want a big fat wiener. 
And then RuPaul is like, who's she trying to fool? But at the same time, I'm like, that would have been me. Like, you know, <laughs> I am not society's definition of pretty necessarily, but dig dudes super yeah. into it. Like, have not been molested. I mean, sexual assaulted as an adult, I guess, where I had to like a friend had to punch a dude in the throat. But like, you know, not as a kid in the throat. Oh, that's the best place to punch somebody. No, I know. Do, you don't talk right do, for weeks. Do it. Punch more people in the throat. <laughs> so we cut to Mary, who's cleaning and finds a matchbox from the cocksucker. Yeah. And so now she is going to try and interrogate everyone. And she starts with Graham because it was under Graham's bed. Yeah. And to distract her, Graham admits that she has a crush on Joel. Or rather says she has a crush on Admits sounds like it's true. She says she has a crush on Joel. Right. She lies. Yeah. <laughs> she she lies and it it distracts Mary for a little while, but she still calls everyone else's parents to interrogate them about it. Yeah. And so Megan's parents are like, hey, we know you didn't have anything to do with this, but if you had, you'd be on your own, which is basically the first time they're telling her that, like, if you don't graduate, if you're not straight, you can't come home. And it's super sad. Yeah. And she basically says, you don't have anything to worry about. I've been missing Jared a lot and I can't wait to see him again. Jared, the boyfriend who can't kiss for shit. Yeah. The boyfriend who licks the inside of her teeth. Yeah. So they say, okay, cool. Keep it up and we'll be back to see you graduate. And then we cut to Mary making signs to pick it. Larry and Lloyd's house. Yes. Which I thought was, I mean, the signs were really offensive, but yeah, I think very well done for the purposes of this movie, if that makes sense. The satire of yes, it was Yes, the funny. satire of the movie. Yes. But also the fact that they're just picketing like a gay person's house. Their house. They didn't go to the cocksucker that is like within driving distance. They went to their house. That is insane mm -hmm. to me. I, I do think the sign that made me laugh the most, which is terrible to laugh at these signs, but like they, they do echo a very specific like Westboro Baptist yep. vibe. Yeah. Uh, but one of them just says silly insert gay slur. That's the one I love. Yeah. Dicks are for chicks. And that I was just like, that's so offensive, <laughs> but also so like, I feel like even if I saw that in the wild, I would have to laugh at it for a second before like, apologizing to any gay people around me just <laughs> yeah. be like i'm so so this is so offensive i'm sure this hurts the wordplay though um <laughs> i used to have a joke about i haven't done it in a, a long time but about how people don't realize that scientology is also really anti-homosexuality because they don't have good slogans like everyone knows where westboro baptist stands because they have like god hates gays but for Scientologists, it would be like, God hates the idea of aliens that inhabited you that might be giving you gay thoughts and that would make you lower on the tone scale. <laughs> like, <laughs> that can't fit on a sign. That's a long sign. Yeah. You could just do a QR code. <laughs> oh, that'd be hilarious. So <laughs> they let Clayton out so he can come pick it with them. Yeah. But this was the point at which I was like, how long has Clayton been in there? <laughs> and it's like an outdoor dollhouse that he's been locked yeah. in. Yeah. We don't know what's inside it, but he can't stand up straight in it. Yeah. So because it's short. And so he like crawls out. But that I mean, here's the thing. At a real conversion camp, they have absolutely put kids in solitary and stuff. So it's like in a way it's horrifying yeah. because it's it's a a joke at the expense of a real life situation that is horrible. Oh yeah. But it is also a crazy little dollhouse. 
<laughs> I like that. That's what you're like, your butt. You're like, this is a horrible thing, but like that dollhouse is hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, you don't want to laugh at it, but at the same time, like, no, at the same think... time, it, it is also written for comedy. Like, it is oh, written yeah. to be a satire of those places. This movie walks this tight line of like satiring oppression in a way that is like very interesting. Yes. Which I will say. It's difficult to do that, like to walk that line where you're actually like making jokes that are could be very triggering for people who have lived through this kind of thing. Right. Like I could understand how you might hate this movie if you had been to a conversion camp just because it was like too real or. Yeah, I could see the flip side of that where you've been to a conversion camp and this is all the shitty dark jokes you were making with the other people who were also at that conversion camp, you know? I think the thing that helps that aspect for me is because it's so camp. Yes, it's got to be super campy, yes. I think that's how it gets away with it is by being that camp. So we cut to them having cake and... Uh, Graham gives a slice of cake to Joel pretending to have a crush on him and he's playing along too. Yeah. M Megan goes and like feels up on Eddie Cibrian's muscles, Rock, the, the son, which is not great because we don't know how old he is. He seems like he's an adult working at the camp. I thought he was like 22, 23. Yeah, it's not great yeah. for him to be involved with the kids. Yeah. Um, but RuPaul kind of watches it happen and we cut to a title card that says the final test where they'll all be graded in each category and then they'll move on to step five, simulated sexual lifestyle. Oof. Oof magoof. Oh uh, yeah. That's basically uh, what I, I lived a simulated sexual lifestyle for like the last year during COVID. <laughs> I think what you meant is self-stimulated sexual lifestyle. Oh, yeah, 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 a little yeah, yeah. bit different, yeah. Yeah, but they they go through kind of a montage of how they're grading them on like chopping wood, cleaning, fixing cars, dinner parties, football, and then they talk about their roots. Joel is sitting between Graham and Megan, and they're basically taking like a test. Uh, we cut to the end of the montage where Mary is like, I've never seen such a determined group. You're all passing except for one of you. Andre, pack your bags. And this is my favorite where Andre is just like, I wasn't meant to be butch. I'm a sissy and I just kind of have to be who I am. And then Joel clearly has a crush on Andre yeah. and is trying to tell him. And Andre just says, I don't need some fruit who just proved he's straight telling me how sexy I am. <laughs> Which is such a great line. That's just like yes. so much in it. But then he gets up and is like, you're all liars. You know who you are and you know who you want and ain't nobody going to change that shit. <laughs> just walks away. Uh, so we cut to Megan and Graham that night kind of looking across Sinead's bed at each other. Yeah. And they sneak out. Sinead sees and they end up just first making out, but then hooking up. Yeah. And it's very kind of artfully done where we're kind of cutting around. But it is very heavily implied that people went down on some people, at least, yeah. during this mm -hmm. scene. So as they're laying in bed together, uh, she basically tells her, like, I've never felt this way before except when I was cheerleading because she really loves cheerleading. Yeah. And it kept her happy. And Graham sincerely is like, I would love to see you cheer. Like, I'm not making fun of you. I'm glad that you love something. 
and it's this very sweet moment of them like even though we're different we really like each other and it's very beautiful and sweet it is yeah we cut to Mary the next morning like, get out of bed, you hormonal hussy. And <laughs> it turns out that Sinead ratted them both out. Yeah, she's a little jealous. Yeah. And so they're going to be removed from the program. And she knows that she won't be welcome at home if she's removed from the program. So she gives her an opportunity to stay by partnering in sexual simulation with Rock. And my favorite, <laughs> my favorite is... That Megan's like, I don't think that's going to work. And it just cuts to rock outside dancing to a RuPaul song in the yard <laughs> in like shorty shorts. Yeah. Because rock <laughs> is also clearly gay. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Obviously so. So they have the same meeting with Graham and they're like, well, we lost Megan. She wasn't strong enough. So you can either run off with Megan or you can do the simulation and graduate. And Graham's parents are like, you're graduating. You're staying. Yeah. You don't have any choice. So as she walks out, Megan is there with her suitcases and Graham just kind of mouths, I'm sorry, but it basically leaves Megan alone. And so Megan walks down that kind of walkway with her suitcase and she walks to Lloyd and Larry's house where she lets them know that she left True Directions and they let her in. And she says, can you teach me to be a lesbian? And they're like, that's not how it works. Like, you just are who you are. Yeah. And and you just continue to be who you are. And then you also happen to like girls. And that's just one part of all the things that make you you. And surprise, surprise, but Dolph is there, too. Yeah, Rufy. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I'm yeah. Uh, so Dolph is there and he's going to live there until he can find a way to make it on his own. Yeah. And this is actually like, I'm not sure if you've seen this with some of your friends, but a, a number of my friends who came out young, some of them had experiences like this where if they were kicked out of their homes, they then found kind of a second home, either with like friends from school or other teens. Yeah. So she basically is still sad that Graham didn't leave with her. And so they kind of decide that they're going to try and go back and rescue her. Yeah. So we cut to step five, simulated sexual lifestyle. I feel like this is assault. I would classify this as assault. I think it is, although it's it's strange because I think both people who are involved with the actual physicality of it are being assaulted. Does that make sense? Yes. Child no. abuse. Yeah, because you have one adult who's having yeah. two <laughs> yeah. kids who don't want to be interacting that way, like forcing them to interact that way. Right. Yeah. And it doesn't matter. And I think they try to make it okay with there being leotards, but it's not okay. No, it's but also, it's horrific, but Rock's attempts at sex, where he's like, sh like he's shaking his hips back and forth the wrong direction. Yeah. Like, like side to side. Yeah. It's honestly great. And Yo, there's nothing wrong with a little side to side. No, there is not. Action. That's what I was thinking. You know I was saying? like, I well, mean. But okay, but here's the, but not in just side to side. Like essentially just like uh, dick oh, slap yeah, yeah. in the lips. <laughs> I'm <laughs> oh, sorry. I need I I need like a business card or a T-shirt that just says "dick slapping the lips." It's like <laughs> it was like a game of pong. 
Oh my god, and that's the most vulgar thing Paige has ever said. <laughs> that was amazing. No. no, one time I talked for like 20 minutes about Henry Cavill spitting on me. I think I've been a little more vulgar in the yeah, past. Yeah, I cut out like 18 minutes of that too. Like, <laughs> like no joke, it's two minutes and it's long in the edit that we released. And she went on longer, guys. Oh, two god. minutes is long. But <laughs> Mikey, this is not an attack. Also, you ain't got no neck. <laughs> <laughs> and got no dick, Nick. Oh, someone reached out to us on Twitter and said we should because they had just listened to the Lake House episode and they oh, were like, was dick neck "Yeah, productions. why don't you call it Dick Neck Productions? You guys are right there all the time. Just say Dick Neck Productions. You don't tell us what to do. You're not my Dick Neck. <laughs> You're yeah. not my Dick Neck. We just go to meetings and they'd be like, "So you make porn?" And we're like, "No. Why would you think that? No. Oh, Stop being gross. <laughs> but also, everyone makes porn. Just most people don't have cameras around." Uh, I think what? the presence of a camera is what makes it porn. Yeah. Otherwise, you're just having sex with people. Oh, I call that porn. Do you? It's like kind of like the movies versus the theater. Uh, if there's no audience, it's not porn, I feel like, you know? <laughs> I mean, this is a fair question. So if you are just having sex with somebody, yeah. that's it. Just the two of you, is that porn? You guys say no. I yeah. say no. All right. But if you are having sex with somebody and I'm in the corner watching, is that porn? Yes, because you're the audience. Yeah, you're the audience. But that is truly porn theater because it's yes. live. It's a live show. Yeah. If you're having sex on a street and there's people walking by, you're that's porn. You're doing a Banksy. <laughs> <laughs> a Spanksy Banksy. Yeah. Spanksy Banksy. So I guess if you just like Someone produces the content and puts it online and you're watching it online. That's just regular pornography. Yeah. It's not theater. It's just pornography. Right. Okay. I'm comfortable with all of this now. We're all born naked and the rest is porn. <laughs> uh, I, I Listen, if we're going to quote RuPaul, I will go all day. I, I will tell you, I'm going to use the line on a woman. I'm going to be like, hey, do you want to make some pornography that not videotape it, but just like rehearse? <laughs> live, and, live pornography? Live pornography that no one else will see? In porn, if you will. I'm going to need a suggestion of a position and a genital. I heard postman and broccoli. Let's go. I do feel like a lot of videos I watched when I was like uh, in my 20s online started off like that. Hey, I have this uh, package of broccoli to deliver to you. (laughs) Why is there a sausage in this broccoli? (laughs) So at Lloyd and Larry's house, they're kind of talking to Megan about What's she going to do? Is she going to check out some schools in the city? Like, how is she going to kind of figure out what her life is going to be? And they get into kind of a fight, but then resolve it in a healthy way. And I feel like it's a chance for her to see like, oh, these are regular people who love each other. And it's not this militaristic, horrible thing that I came from. Right. Which is great. Uh, But this is where she and Dolph go to the cocksucker and she sees Julie Delpy dancing with someone else and she realizes that she just wants to be with Graham. Yeah. And she and Dolph decide that they're going to crash the graduation and try to break out Graham and Clayton. Yeah. So we cut to graduation and everyone is in like vinyl suits and dresses. Yeah. It is the gayest thing I have ever seen. <laughs> and I mean that as a compliment. Yes, I mean it as a, a huge compliment. <laughs> to me, it looks like the Barbie Girl video. Yes. yes. Oh my God. It yeah. Does. Come on, Clayton. Let's go make out. Uh, 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 
So as they're walking down the aisle, it's a very, it's also a very matrimonial ceremony. Except where they're it, walking like, down separately, but no, it is. You're right. And they're, yeah. the trophy they get or their whatever, they're. It's just a straight couple on a pedestal. <laughs> yeah, so which is so funny. Oh man, I laughed so hard when I saw that. Oh man, but she tries to pull Graham out of line and Graham won't go with her. And I think it's because Graham is like, my parents are here. Like, it's this whole yeah. thing. I mean, she's dealing with the very real decision of, do I give up my family to be who I am inside? Or do I hide who I am for the rest of my yeah. life? Like, that's so that's such a terrible choice to make. Right. To Just to be able to stay with your family who already doesn't treat you that well. But also, that's like stability. And, you know, it's I don't know, family. like security. Like, yeah. uh, on some level, I get when people make that decision, I, you know, my yeah. brother, he, I mean, he said one of the reasons he didn't come out. I mean, he was closeted gay in Mississippi for a long time. And uh, he said yeah. one of the reasons he didn't come out because he was scared what my mom would. And my mom's like the sweetest, most accepting lady. And like I, that fear is always there, even even yeah. with the sweetest parents. You know what that you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. So my sister came out when she was like 15. She came out pretty young um, and was very, very like well accepted by my mom but not by her dad who was my stepdad like it was bad it was bad like yeah. he called me on the phone and was like you have to tell your sister she can't be gay and i was like that's not how any of this works yeah but like he's a terrible guy we've talked about it before but yeah. anyway it can be dicey especially for like i understand why he wouldn't want anyone to know mikey mississippi's not like the most welcoming place for homosexual people or any people, really. <laughs> <laughs> like, historically. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's not great. So there you go. So they go on with the graduation, but Clayton has already ditched to make out with Dolph, and he's on the run. Yeah. So they've already gotten Clayton. And so they climb into the truck, and Megan says, I've got to try again. And so she tosses her pom-poms out of the truck and hops out of the car as a cheerleader, comes down the aisle dressed in her cheerleader regalia, and cheers for Graham, because Graham wanted to see her cheer. And it's very cringy. (laughs) It It is, is, but it's also super sweet and sad, and I'm like tearing up at this point. It's just like a regular romantic comedy. Yes, it really is. Yeah, absolutely, Mikey. It's one of those things where it's making me cry because I I want them to be together and I'm so sad. But then also being like, oof, this is embarrassing. Yeah. (laughs) Like, this is some Lloyd Dobler shit. Uh, (laughs) So they yell at Megan to stop. She runs away. She hops into the back of the truck. But Graham chases her down, climbs into the truck bed, and they kiss as they ride off into the sunset. And I sob buckets. Yep. There's a short credit and then there's a scene of her parents at a parents and friends of lesbians and gays like meeting yeah like a support group meeting and And that's that's the the movie so we've seen the movie we've talked about the movie what did you guys think give me some final thoughts about but i'm a cheerleader i like it and i think it's been one of our most healthy depictions of like a lesbian couple falling in love or like getting together I mean, the fact that despite the fact that the camp is real fucked up, I mean, like, you know what I mean? Like those two people don't actively try to hurt each other too much. I mean, I (laughs) guess if our two options in this are this movie or happiest season. Yeah. You pick this movie because happiest season is like rough. Yeah. Well, here's what I'll say. There's a lot of things that this movie does that I like. It doesn't present homosexuality as a monolith. It presents variety and the idea that you are still you regardless. Well, it presents sexuality sort of as a spectrum with Jan. Like, she's straight. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Then 
it also has representation. I think this yes. is the most representation we've seen in the movies that we've done this month. There are more LGBTQIA people in this movie and working on this movie at the production side than any other movie we've covered so far. And this is like 21 years ago. Yeah, this is one of the oldest ones. Mm-hmm. It just had its 20th anniversary in December. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So good for them. Yeah. This early on. Like, that's awesome. Yeah, I, I liked it. I thought it was fun. I, I thought it was funny. I, I feel like it's something that... If I were to have a slumber party with my gay besties, this is the movie to watch. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I really liked it. Yeah. I, like I said before, it's really campy and really silly, and it like it covers a very, very dark and bleak topic in a fun, silly way, which yeah. I think makes it very accessible to like straight cis stupid people like me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. you know. Uh, do you guys think they're still together? No, but I don't think that's the point. Yeah, yeah. So like, I feel like they were together for a while. They both grew up, and they may have. I mean. They could still be together, but yeah, like anybody else who's 18. Yeah, right. that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, I'm not with the person I was with when I was 18, but you know, they're <laughs> probably fine. I think the more important <laughs> part is Megan reconciling with who she is. Yes. You know, and while I would love it if they were still together, that's great. I think it's just, this is a stepping stone. Oh yeah. For both, for both of them, you know? Yeah. So Paige, do you have some fun facts for us? I do. I do have some fun awesome. facts. Awesome. Hit so, us with your fun facts. Cheerleader fun, fun facts. facts. Uh, so Jamie Babbitt, the director director this was actually their first film really yeah they had done short films this is their first feature wow okay and they got it financed off of a short film based on the script oh cool yeah good so for it's them. actually it's pretty interesting and uh they wanted to make a gay clueless <laughs> that was the goal when they made this movie and i'm like I don't feel like this is clue. I like, I mean, no, I feel like it's different in a good way Yeah. where yeah. like, I feel like it has the same kind of tongue in cheek that clueless has of like, uh, kind of tactfully presenting crazy things Yes. where it's just like, we're going to say this as if it is normal, but it's nuts. Now the movie was actually originally given an NC 17 rating. Really? Yep. Interesting. Which is part of why they had to cut that sex scene the way they did. And that only made it an R. Now, controversial statement. First of all, the movie rating system is bullshit and we should abolish it entirely. I have strong feelings about this. Don't come at me. <laughs> I like when you get passionate. That's all I'm going to say. No, I saw I saw that documentary on it. I'm yeah. with you. Yeah. yeah. Oh, wait, yeah. what's the documentary? I want to see it. It's called. This film has not been, been the, rated yes, or something. This mm-hmm. film has not been rated. Yes. Okay. I'll check it out. Uh, and you will never look at movie ratings the same way again, and it will make you furious. Well, good. I like documentaries that piss me off. Let's do this. But historically, films that depict non cis, non hetero relationships are graded much more harshly. Oh, I'm sure that's true. Than others. So I don't think this even deserves an R. I think this is PG at best. Yeah. yeah. Personally. Yeah. E- even with the, the a lot of the crazy camp stuff and the innuendo, there is nothing in this movie that should make it anything above PG. Maybe PG-13, but at best. But this almost was NC-17. That's mind-boggling. Which, just if you are wondering, think about the fact that Terminator is R. Like, yeah, if you've seen the movie 16 Candles that has full frontal nudity, that's PG. And this movie was almost NC-17. I think that movie was before the PG-13 rating was out. But still, the fact that it wasn't R, that's bonkers. Right? Um, Think about the fact that Wedding Crashers is R. Yeah. There are so, it is 
bullshit that they had to fight that fight for this movie and it makes me mad and they had to fight it just to get it down to an r a movie that has no nudity that has no nudity and one cuss word they say the f word once which you're allowed to do in pg-13 movies yes you are and this was at the time of pg-13 the notebook is pg-13 and this movie had to fight to be an r jesus fuck the rating system get rid of it it is a bunch of old out of touch people they are not diverse they refuse to have oversight into their system and it is a gatekeeper in the industry and it should die i love this i gotta watch this documentary i'm glad you shouted it out also normalize watching films that are not rated because that's part of what you can do to combat the biases in the rating system because films can choose to be unrated but it means that they will have a tougher time getting distribution but if you as an audience member are willing to actively see films that are unrated that helps bridge that gap anyway so there was a scene that was actually deleted from the original theatrical release that portrayed the campers singing to reworded songs about people becoming straight so like popular songs but with different words. Okay. So like parody songs about becoming straight. Okay. Parody songs about becoming straight. And it was inspired by the director's mother who had gone to rehab and only realized after the fact that she had learned a Joni Mitchell song with completely different words. Wow. Okay. Okay. About getting sober. Right, right. right. Yeah. The day before they started shooting, Natasha Leone had gotten drunk and got a tattoo on her shoulder. The day before shooting? <laughs> yeah. At a shop on Hollywood Boulevard. And the director was upset because, like, you're supposed to be in a sports bra doing cheer routines and now we have to put makeup on it. I don't know if you ever had to put makeup on a fresh tattoo, but oof, magoof, that hurts. Uh, yeah, yeah, I never so, have, but I bet it would hurt. It's not good. Your skin's super raw. I mean, it's super raw for weeks after it. You're not supposed to put anything on on it it's yeah i mean you're supposed to have it like wrapped like when i got mine you like it had plastic film over it for like like a few days and then you had to put like this special ointment on it like every two to five hours or something like that yeah yep i bet that tattoo looks bonkers now (laughs) yeah uh but they asked like how could you do this and natasha allegedly responded i don't know what happened (laughs) that's funny so like she like woke up with a tattoo i one of my best friends has a tattoo on his arm that he got while very drunk and it's the word permanent and it fades out over the course of that tattoo oh that's hilarious that's hilarious he also has a serial character on his butt and i am one of the few people that has seen it and he like he refuses to tell people who it was because that one he got when he was like blackout drunk and does not really remember it. He knows the story because oh, people have told it to him, but that's about it. There's a comic in L.A. that has a tattoo just outside of where a shirt collar hits that just says employable. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. That's great. <laughs> it's one of my favorite tattoos I've ever seen. Yeah. Um, Do either of you have tattoos or is it just me? Yeah. Uh, you can't see mine, but mine's on my neck okay. behind my ear. Yeah. Mike, do you have a tattoo? Nope. So the song that rock is, <laughs> I, nope. I don't know if you want to expand on that nope. at all. Nope. <laughs> His dick just says, welcome aboard on it. <laughs> His only tattoo. Uh, so the song that rock is dancing to when they're like, oh, do the sexual simulation with rock is party train by RuPaul. Yeah. <laughs> so Clea Duvall and Natasha Leone actually appeared as guest judges on RuPaul's drag race for two consecutive weeks for season 11. Nice. Yep. In 2005, uh, the New York Musical Theater Festival 
did a staged musical adaptation of But I'm a Cheerleader with 18 original songs. What? It's only played that one time, but RuPaul attended a performance during its run. Oh, man. Oh, very cool. I wish I could have seen that. Mikey would have liked that because it's musicals in the theater. Yes. In the theater. Yeah. I'm a traditionalist. Yeah, he likes to stand in the corner when you're having sex. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> now, this movie predates Drag Race by about a decade. Yes. Um, but at the time, RuPaul had already had a lot of success. This is kind of a weird in-between time where... Uh, he already released his first album. He'd been a Mac spokesperson. He'd had his talk show on VH1 and was kind of an icon, but hadn't done anything new in the last few years when this was coming out. And to be honest, would not do a ton until Drag Race, because there's a period of time right around this where he does this movie and then he like moves home. For like eight years. it's If you read RuPaul's biography, it's super interesting. That's interesting. I didn't realize that. I mean, I remember RuPaul as a kid, like being like a supermodel and like having albums yeah. and stuff like that. And then I guess like in high school, like it went away. And then, yeah, that's interesting. That's all like right before this. This is like one of the last things. But they specifically cast Ru because they thought that casting such an iconic person from the community as a quote unquote rehabilitated gay was kind of an ironic in joke. Yeah. Yeah, basically, I think it was. Basically it's joking that the that sexual orientation can or should be changed. It's basically like, of course it can't. RuPaul is here. Yeah. <laughs> like RuPaul is here to give you an intervention because your wig is busted. Um, <laughs> I can see all that lace. Yep. And those are our fun facts. Well, thank you for your fun facts, Paige. Uh, let's talk box office. So what do you think the budget was for But I'm a Cheerleader? Honestly, this movie looks like it was made for $42, but that's part of why I love it. I'm going to say <laughs> the budget for this movie is somewhere in the neighborhood of 50 k Okay, Mikey, what do you think? I'm going to say a little bit higher. I'm going to say like 500 k All right. You guys are both low. It was $1.2 million. Okay. 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 Which, if you look at, like, I bet they had to, they may not have built that house, but they had to repaint every room in that house. They had to custom make everything else. Yeah. yeah like, if it's not a custom built house, like, everything in it was redone for this movie. But, I mean, and it really is sort of single location outside of that one little area but it's still pretty cheap at 1.2 million uh it yep. was released on july 7th 2000 and it was 46th at the box office that week yeah critics hated this movie yeah it was only released in four theaters that week to be honest with you though so mm -hmm. i'll go ahead and tell you it made sixty thousand dollars its opening weekend but that's only, again only in four theaters the top five that week were Scary Movie, The Perfect Storm, The Patriot, The Kid, and Chicken Run. So that should sort of place it in time. I hate the movie The Perfect Storm. Yeah, I'm not a I'm not a fan of it either. I remember seeing The Kid that week because that's Bruce well, Willis that's and Bruce his Willis like when he's, his inner and, child and, yeah. and his inner child. Yeah. But okay, so obviously the day it launched in theaters, it was only in four theaters. It eventually did get up to 115 theaters six weeks after it launched, like mid August is when it hit that peak. And that weekend was its best weekend. It made $264,000 in that weekend. And then it slowly started to go out of theaters over the next five weeks or so. But what do you think it made at the box office domestically in its theatrical run? I'm going to think that it, just barely missed its budget and made a million. Okay. What do you think, Mikey? 800000 So it made $2.2 million domestically in theaters and another 303000 
internationally. So it made 2.5 million, which is not bad. I mean, for a $1.2 million movie, it probably didn't have much, if any, marketing budget. It's not bad. And I I did read a number of articles about this movie where at the time critics hated it. It got F's from almost everybody. Oh man. And like no stars. And then it just took on a life of its own as a cult classic. Yeah. Because now it's this like revered cult classic, but at the time they couldn't pay people to watch it. It was nuts. That's such a shame though. Cause it's, it's a good move. Yeah. I like this movie a lot. Yeah. Uh, all right. But that's your box office. So next week we're actually going to have a very special guest because Mikey is taking the week off. And that guest is Kyle Shire, who you may know of as a producer on Critical Role, if you're familiar with Critical Role. And if you're not, you should be. It's great. He was also on Out on Stage, which is an LGBTQ stand-up series. But whether you know him or not, you're going to love him. He picked the movie The Truth About Cats and Dogs. So that's the movie we will be watching for next week. So your homework is to watch The Truth About Cats and Dogs with, I think it's Janine Garofalo and Uma Thurman. So like, figure that out, call them up, have a glass of wine, get a little tipsy, have a little fun watching The Truth About Cats and Dogs with your two best gal pals. So Mikey, do you have a review for us to read? No. Okay. (laughs) So while you're looking up a review, let me tell them how they can have their review read on the podcast. And that is simply to leave us a five-star text review and have Mikey read it. So Mikey, whose review are you going to read this week? Hit us with your review. Review, review. (laughs) Gruesome Gene says, a podcast you didn't know. I can't read less the title because I'm on my phone. But that's fine. Uh, That's right. (laughs) This is the podcast you didn't know you needed. Uh, You didn't know you needed. I got it. Oh, that's the title, I bet. Yeah. Yeah. Our horror version and cult podcast crew takes us on an adventure through some terrible, awful, no good, very bad romance or rom-com movies. Terrible, awful, no good, very bad day. Yeah. Yeah. But they provide a great review of the movie so we don't have to watch them. That's true. That's why we go through all the plot points for you. We're doing you a favor. <laughs> because because who wants to watch a movie about our patties dying in the Twin Tower? <laughs> yeah, Mikey. <laughs> who wants to watch that, you jerk? Anyway, give this a try. You'll like it guaranteed. Dylan at Gruesome Jeans. Dylan, you son of a bitch. I love your (laughs) review. Thank you so much for leaving that five-star review. And guys, if you want to have your review run on the podcast, or girls, or non-binary people, leave us a five-star review. So, um, yeah, guys, if you like this power thruple that we have here on this podcast, make sure to check out our other podcast, The Horror Virgin. And that is the only other podcast that Mikey and I are on, but Paige gets around and she is on two other podcasts black card rehab and cult podcast so guys definitely check out those because they're amazing if you want to follow us on social we are at romancing the pod show yes on instagram and we are at something else on twitter who i just have never taken the time to learn it's it's just romancing pod show because they have a character limit and it's show sho like showtime So, guys, check that out as well. And if you want to follow us all individually, Paige is at Rampage Wesley everywhere, including TikTok, except for Twitter, where she is at Paige Wesley. Mikey is at MRandolph24, and I am at Todd J. Awesome everywhere. And, guys, we got a P.O. box. So if you want to send us some love letters or whatever you might send to a P.O. box, it's actually not a P.O. box. It's like a regular street address. It's pretty awesome. It's... 6688 Nolensville Road, number 108-34, Brentwood, Tennessee, 37027. So send us some stuff. Yeah. That's going to be it for us, you guys. I'm Paige. I'm Mikey. And I'm Todd. 
and you complete us. To completion. Oh. <laughs> Toodle pip. But I'm a cheerleader. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Pom pom nerds. Bye.